to the Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion number 43, post-Thanksgiving edition. I am one belt loop size larger Jordan Smith. I'm joined, as usual, by my good friends, Tim Hoffman. The, uh, what is the, the corpulent? The corpulent Tim Hoffman. <laughs> Hello. The I'm stuffed Hoffman. And Anthony Kevin Corvo. Most of the students that I'm around are bigger than I am, so I do not fall into those categories as much as I sometimes try. <laughs> but um... Well, Thanksgiving <laughs> brings out the animal in all of us when we can sit down around a table and tuck into some fine family vittles and, and have uh, a great little holiday. I certainly did. We got together with family back in the old hometown and spent a nice couple <clears throat> of days, one of my rare full days off where I'm not at some point uh, manufacturing donuts in my factory. Uh, Tim, did you do a whole heck of a lot of traveling this holiday? I know you had just come back from New Jersey, a big trip, so not too much this time out. When was I in Jersey? I thought you went to Jersey for something just recently, within the last three months? No. No? I don't think so. Oh. I don't think I went anywhere. We went up to Casey's folks in Continental. Excellent. Uh, yes. The uh, the rural, the rural redoubt. Uh, it's got its own lake. It's got its own like series of gigantic tricycle entertainments and things of that nature. The kids love it up there, right? Yes, Camp yeah. Co. It's not continental. It's pronounced continental. Uh, uh, Where it, in, it's uh, past Lima before you get to Defiance. Okay, I've heard of those cities, but not right. So it's very. Not... I think there's five thousand inhabitants nice. or thereabouts well, in continental. That's... Sizable enough. I thought you were okay. Kevin, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Dominic and I uh, went up to visit his grandparents. Uh, so we were up there, um, left Thanksgiving Day, and um, uh, had we, we've always just Dominic and I went up and had um, had things had things had early late afternoon Thanksgiving um, dinner with uh, with his grandparents and his uncle up in um, Medina. Nice. I thought traffic was pretty light this year. Didn't have many issues on the highways, and Becca seemed to be pleased with our rate of progress for the most part. So I'd call the whole thing a win. Uh, and like I said, I did add a few LBs, but you know, sitting here in this nice chilly warehouse will keep my metabolism up. Uh, I am certain. But gentlemen, thank you for joining us this week. Getting back into the swing of things here in between holidays. I thought we'd start off a little bit with a, a slightly larger topic, but kind of ties into the whole thing of what we're doing here, uh, being three real people sitting around a table kind of uh, relaying news and information to our audience, you, the listener uh, slash reader, and uh, the new phenomenon of so-called artificial intelligence, AI, mm. uh, and some of the ways it is manifesting in our lives and in taking over certain things that we had seem to be kind of functioning a certain way. For example, uh, search results on the Internet was right. how I kind of keyed into this most recent uh, ramping up of AI use. And the idea is that I came across a thread of someone saying, well, it's very profitable to hijack uh, Internet traffic. And you can do that by having search words and terms that people look for often. And... If you create a page that brings those uh, those people to your sites uh, via your terms and things, and it can draw them there uh, versus to another site, that's great for your business model. But what if your business model is just to get people to that page? And 
essentially what people are now applying with these large language models, ChatGPT, <clears throat> OpenAI, and others, is they're creating uh, mimics, copies, essentially, of more popular sites uh, and more popular information sharing networks, sitemaps. So they're using search terms that other people have generated, using these large language models to then create 1,800 articles based on those high-priority search terms, and then they're scraping some percentage of the traffic away from people uh, and the useful information headquartered on the original site to their AI-generated web pages and AI-written articles. Right. So... What? That so I saw that tweet that went out. I saw that retweeted by a number of different people. Someone was bragging about how they stole half a million, I don't know. Views, impressions, hits, whatever you want to. Views, impressions, or hits from a competitor using. Uh, here's the thing about this particular story. This, to me, is not a story about AI. Mm -hmm. <coughs> this is exploits. This is SEO. This is search engine optimization uh which i don't i don't know that's always seemed like a scam to me okay that's always seemed shady it's like here's how you build your stuff so people happen on your uh, on your stuff by accident i don't feel like this is an ai story at all they use the ai to generate the copy well it used to be you could get a college educated person to put together some mediocre paragraphs now we can do it uh now we can do it automatically um I don't think this is this has less to do with an advance in AI as just an example of hey when you can produce unlimited amounts of mediocre writing actually you know that's useful in some ways um you can apply it to something as I I don't like the idea of SEO search engine op optimization it's like because uh Google, in particular, is able to move the goalposts at any time. I have a friend, uh, Mark, I've known him for over a decade, who had a very successful um, uh, consulting-type business. He got a ton of traffic, and he had a ton of stuff. And then overnight, his uh, business was destroyed when Google just changed something about the way uh, they served up search results and he was no longer a top search result uh, for a business that I know the guy he's very smart and really good at what he does and then all of a sudden I watched him now he's he's doing you know he would always find a way to do well but he never built that business back mm. mm -hmm. it's like Google changed the rules bam dead mm. yeah and so um playing ball you know i used to try to do um promotion paid promotion on or, or or regular promotion just uh making videos and putting them up on facebook this was you know close to 10 years ago when facebook was still in heavy use and you could reach the people that liked your business page just by posting something they mm. would see it yeah. then uh zuck or whoever realized oh we can charge for that and people, and people will pay. You have to promote your post to get in front of the people that have opted in to see your content. Well, uh, you know, they move the goalposts like that all the time. Whenever I go and decide, well, maybe I'll run a Facebook ad, they've changed the entire system 
to extract. I assume it's to extract more value, uh, more money out of me, and deliver less value. Uh, so I don't play that game anymore. It's all it's all email. It's like if someone sends me, gives me their email address and says, "Yes, send me your your emails," then I just send them the emails and they get them. Mm-hmm. They can open them and read them if they want, but it arrives in their inbox. Yeah, the point to point, the distribution is direct, and I think when you have that inner that intermediary, which has decided to take profits from an aspect of the operation that previously was just a straight line function of selecting to like and follow uh but now instead they put the promoted option in which is not really an option you know what i'm saying yeah so what Uh, we have is we have you know it's been the same four or five companies making incredible amounts of money by ruining the internet for the past 15 years hmm. uh now uh we'll just have you know open ai may join them or you know whatever ends up being the major winner in the AI race because it's gonna it's gonna look like the other stuff. These There's gonna be a couple major players who then get all the chips and call all the shots. These they will get their lobbyists installed and they will purchase their senators and representatives and they will be the ones who will run AI uh, under the gentle guidance of the U.S. Uh, intelligence community. Probably. These enfant technologies kind of clashing and smashing up against each other in a battle for who can manipulate the arena more successfully really is kind of what's going on here in a way because that piece that you shared back in November of last year was talking about how those things could be exploited using uh, cheap but human labor. You could create mimics of popular seo outcomes with uh, people that would make the stuff for you now it's uh open ai shifting the balance of that battle back towards people who are able to just mass produce the stuff now right. uh, and unbalance the search engine optimization and functions that other companies in their haste and and hurry to secure their profit they're laid down right so the table is shifting all over the place. The people that are suffering, like you say, are, are us. The as as your article puts it, the shitification of the internet right. uh, has been ongoing process. And I think there was a definite apogee to the thing as a useful, searchable uh, archive slash resource. Uh, I don't know what level we're at now, but I don't think it's optimal, uh, and I don't think it's providing a real picture of of what has come before really and maybe the more upsetting thing is just like when you were going through high school history class and whatnot depending on your level of achievement depending on your level of advancement and and the level of coursework you were taking a lot of times uh you know right as you got up to the vietnam war the modern learning kind of started to slow down and you stopped learning about how government branches interact at present and things that, you know, that are going on in the, in the immediate history uh, stop being so uh, forefront in your learning. So it's interesting to think about what are we laying down as far as searchable past for when it comes to taking a look at this era. Well, here's something that is uh, more disturbing to me than the, you know, the proliferation of, of garbage content 
on the internet, which has been a problem for a long time. And the article we're talking about, we'll link to it. Uh, sure, I'll put it in there, no problem. Um, you know, it talks about how um, just there is some gain to be had by just churning out enormous amounts of information uh, and the veracity of the information doesn't matter. Um, and so now we're training our large language model AI. Uh, you know, it's like a, I, I describe it as like a, a calculator for, for um, language. And I forget who said that, but that's uh, one of my favorite explanations of what uh, things like uh, ChatGPT, um, these other popular AI text generators. It's, 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 I used it one time I had to put an answer to a question in a form. This was when I was filling out the, the uh, master facilities plan. They were like, you have 200 characters to comment on what you just did. So I actually wrote what I wanted to say plugged it into chat GPT and said, I need this in 200 characters. Uh, and it did it for me. I edited it again, mm. um, but it helped. Nice. But uh, I'm rambling. Now. Sure. Well, I mean, you're kind of discussing your own use cases for the thing, which is an interesting way to look at it, because I think that might be another way to, to frame it, too, is that while it can be useful as a tool to an individual, it can be useful as a tool to an individual trying to create a volume of information to uh, confuse a situation in front of a series of individuals or make it harder to find a piece of information uh, in all this searching. Sure. For people that don't know what they're looking for or don't know how to parse this information, I, I, the amount of signal being generated uh, by people looking to produce verifiable information is is might be overwhelmed by the amount of noise. So... What, what do you think about the ability to parse that through? Well, I think what we're dealing with, uh, the problem isn't AI. AI is, is here. Things uh, that seem banal to us now, like uh, Spotify algorithmically generated playlists, we would have considered a, a, a magic level of AI uh, you know, within our adult lifetimes. Well, yeah, Spotify rap day. Right. Um, so what we're uh, the I think the core problem that we're dealing with is uh, we have a system where um, we're dealing with uh, some perverse incentives. So people are incentivized to f to to flood unlimited server space accessible to anyone with an Internet connection with gobbledygook. We've incentivized gobbledygook, and now we have uh, machines that can create gobbledygook for us uh, in unlimited quantities at almost no cost. Uh, so we'll, we're going to get gobbledygook until uh, and unless we figure out a way to incentivize actual meaningful content. I, and I, that's what, that's what we're trying to do. Hmm. We're not trying to you, you know, we're releasing a very small amount, a very um, genuine uh, and legitimately produced meaningful content, mm -hmm. um, and hoping that you know the rewards are hoping to be rewarded for it. Right. 
I think that really is ultimately the only thing that people in our position can do with and through it is, as you've done, use things that are extant where you can and as ethically as you can. And, and if you if it comes down to not using something as a matter of ethics, that's perfectly acceptable, too. Uh, I know that um, a lot of the creative strike that recently <clears throat> took place and is still not quite fully resolved uh, had a lot to do with the perpetual ability of studios to take 3D imaging of people as they're performing and then potentially reuse that over time without any additional compensation and all these other things. And it just gets further and further into that realm of what is intellectual property and how people treat that and what people tend to do with that and how it's used and deployed. So as ever, uh, it's an evolving situation and one that is playing a, a larger and larger part in a lot of people's lives. If it's starting to find its way into your workplace, why don't you sound off in the comments and let us know where you've seen uh, AI be deployed in your world. And if you found it useful or if you find it frustrating, let us know what you think. And uh, we'll continue to monitor that and let you know if it works its way into uh, other things here in our city and in the locality. I know sometimes we're already uh, kind of taking a look at what we're going to do with the flock security camera coverage in the coming year and how people are going to get to know what is going on with that in our locations. Uh, and maybe that is a, a way we can kind of ongoing keep track of AI and how those things are being used and deployed too, yeah. kind of in a companion way. So that's that's one thing that I've had on my mind, and I saw some articles about it over the Thanksgiving holiday, and I wanted to tap to you, Tim, since you had put me onto some of that stuff originally and yeah. you had some developed thinking about it. It's really interesting to see how... F <laughs> You know, it, it was making headlines. I, you know, on my personal blog wrote about, hey, here's the state of AI right now. Let's I, here's what I see happening. Let's see how these things stand up. I was looking at that um, uh, writing I did about a year ago and remembering the state of just OpenAI's chat GPT. It was at, at I think it was uh, version <coughs> three at the time. It might have been 3.5. Um, and I remember just, you know, thinking the output was really, really mediocre, mm. uh, which is a tremendously useful tool. If you if you're looking at a blank page, to start with a what is known in the writing community as a shitty first draft, a search engine that can talk to you differently. So what we had a year ago was, uh, you know, these. This seemed crude by comparison to what we have now, these LLMs uh, creating blocks of mediocre copy. These days, uh, it's a lot more sophisticated, and you can get much better, uh, much better results out of the LLM uh, text generators. Stronger output. How do you feel about the image stuff, the image generation? I feel more conflicted about that because when I played around with it in mid-journey and things, there were times when... I would describe an image like I wanted to see it, and it would make an image kind of like I wanted to see it, and I would recognize a lot of my favorite artists mm -hmm. in there sometimes. Uh, and it, at the beginning, you could even do things as crass as saying, in the style of, insert artist name here. Right. I think you still can do that. Yeah. Uh, I, you know. And, yeah, that's fraught and current artists who are busy trying to make a living putting out uh 
I know from. Go ahead. People, you know, artists do not appreciate it. Yeah, a calculator from the process of making it easier for you to synthesize like complex theory or maybe refresh a bit of information that you have a generalized understanding of and you want to spruce it up or maybe give yourself an avenue of investigation. Like, what do I need to know about this general theory or what do I need to know about this general theory? Gives you four or five things and you can go on down your rabbit holes and continue your research or whatever. When you ask, paint me a picture of a sunset in the style of Pablo Picasso or something like that, it's going to give you an end product that's right there. And mm. I think that's a little more fraught because it's delivering something that is then, you know, as you suggest, uh, easier to use, easier to monetize, easier to turn around. Now, you and I, we use Henry and we use Andrew and we use other people that we know to create stuff for our products and mm. our lines of stuff. But even in the Substack editor, there's an option to generate AI images built in line in the Substack editor. I've never used it, but it's there. So it's wild to think about how it's just kind of gently being incorporated into all these other areas pretty quickly. For sure. Well, I remember I used I used an AI image on one of our first articles, uh, and it was weird looking. Mm. And I I forget if we act no we did publish it with that it was like one of our f first five things we ever published, hmm. and uh, yeah I I published it with that weird AI image I think you said Tim you're you're gonna scare the straights <laughs> <laughs> that might have been my comment uh, and I probably would have thought well you know whether it came from Tim's mind or the computers that's bad we shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, are you seeing any uh, any concerning applications of AI in your in your substitute uh, environment in the schools? Do the kids talk about this stuff? What no. are they What are they saying about no. it? Not yet. The Not only, yet. The only experience I had was the teacher who purposely said I used AI to come up with images, and he and he wanted the students to write from those images. I don't know what the teacher said. To create those images, uh, one was a thanks. Give me a picture of a Thanksgiving dinner, and it it it, it was just a. It was a Thanksgiving dinner, but it was an odd picture. Six fingers, etc. One had to do with uh, the Macy's Day Parade. That one was pretty spot on. But he but he's asking the students to describe and write what they see in the picture, just to see what they can. Gotcha. But he used AI to uh, to do each of them. Create um, an image to yeah. prompt their writing. My friend uses AI, who I used to work with at Suburban News and at This Week Papers, and he tells me, you know, time and again, or he tells me, you need to use AI, and I, do, and I want no part of it. So he's telling me I'll be left behind and die with the dinosaurs because I won't use AI. <laughs> uh, but he uses it uh, to find facts. He says it's much quicker. I don't use card catalogs, mind you, mm. but I'm not that far back in the past. But I have no problem using Google the way I've used it to to look at the websites and go from site to site to site until I kind of find what I'm looking for. But he uses AI to find find facts to support arguments he has or or, or to support the blog that he's writing. He's he's used that recently to to find the names of and the involvement in the United States and a number of past political, I mean, military actions over the past 20 years. Once you, once you put that intermediary in there, once you aren't the one verifying the resource, 
that it's the information's coming from. Once the model is giving it to you as it's scraping it from across its ability to look for information itself, that's where I, I wonder because as we talked about a little bit too, the ability of these things now to clone a popular sitemap and generate uh, off of 1,800 keywords, 1,800 AI articles, basically at the snap of a finger, uh, and scrape certain amounts of traffic results uh, for that does not only uh, pull down Kevin's individual search and maybe misdirect Kevin's individual search, but it also contributes to the very language base that that model is using to generate results. So I wonder if there's going to be some eventual dilution. I know that there's been some talk of like a window where these these models break down a little bit and have to be refreshed or reset in some way. I don't know really their inner workings, but as with all emergent technologies, they're kind of clashing together right now and battling for supremacy in that uh, the large language model can generate 1,800 outputs that messes with SEO, and then SEO can just move the goalposts of what is meaningful to uh, generating results or generating interactions, right? I mean, that's the that's the push-pull that's happening right now. Right. Well, I mean, the upshot of this is, you know, we all need to understand our own moral limits on what we will and will not use these new tools for. we got to understand that they are tools. Um, they're issues, they're fraught, but, you know, they're there for us to either use or not use. Um, moving forward, we all really need to develop our our BS detectors, mm -hmm. understanding that um, the incentives are skewed and uh, there are people and organizations out there, uh, it's to their benefit for some reason, to flood uh, publicly accessible internet areas with gobbledygook. Um, and, you know, going on the internet for a long time has been gobbledygook. Uh, and we've and we've learned the hard way over the past several years that even uh, things that we read in corporate media are oftentimes chock full of uh, pointed and purposeful uh, mistruths. So you know, ultimately, you have to you have to work on on your on your on your BS filter and understand that it's so powerful. You have to consider the possibility that all every uh, every opinion I have might be the result of a successful psyop by some sort of bad actor, and that's true of everybody. Well, you're just talking about being raised and living in a society, and you're just that level of information and the weight that you give it in your own life and how you construct your life is is one of those things that we kind of talk about and it's a struggle because people now feel very alienated and a lot of times they don't have close hewn networks where they can get trusted information from. I mean, I right. think that's kind of what we're trying to be part of is something that people can come to over time having a proven uh, track record and, and maintaining a proven track record through voices that you know right. and, and, can, and can develop trust with. Having trustworthy... Having, you know, know where your sources of trustworthy content are and understand that you know, we've moved from, you know, when we were coming up, you could get trustworthy information from our most media sources and our institutions. That isn't true anymore. 
So that is the reality we have to uh, move forward with. At least we have these tools to make hilarious pictures of frogs now. <laughs> uh, moving to maybe we should. Here's an idea. Maybe we should ask one of these large language models what it would do with 120 acres of unimproved farmland <laughs> in the middle of Hilliard. Sure. Because uh, as a result of one of the recent city council meetings, it's come to our attention that the city itself has purchased or entered an agreement to purchase two parcels of land. Well, actually three. Two adjacent parcels known as the Walpert property which adds up to about 120 acres, and then an additional smaller property known as the Coda property, close to 270 uh, Britain Parkway, the opposite side of the street of um, Britain Parkway and uh, the the Hilliard Park and Ride, essentially, the, the Coda Park and Ride. That's where the other parcel is. That's a visitor doorway, a gateway, essentially. The idea there probably is it's a small parcel, it's a doorstep to our community. The large parcel, the Walpert property off of Davidson Road and across the street from the Tremont Club, uh, is a significant direct investment by the city. They acquired notes upwards of $13 million to make all these acquisitions happen. And Kevin talked to uh, Economic Development Director, correct? That's the right title? David Development Meadows. Director David Meadows. Yeah. Not AI. Development Not AI, director, another, another real person, uh, <laughs> about some of the city's early thinking on what they uh, envisioned for this parcel. And since that part of the description was fairly light in the in the council documents, Kevin, why don't you give us some of that now, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, David shared uh, that the city's preferred use and desired use for this is um, to attract and help grow businesses in the high-tech industries field. Uh, one of those uh, ways might be um, in cooperation with uh, with Converge Technologies, which has which is located on Lyman Drive. Uh, I wrote about them. I visited there two years ago. John Bear is the CEO um, and CTO of Converge Technologies, and uh, we hope to have him in the studio at some point, maybe to talk about what's going on there because I've not checked up there lately. But two years ago, uh, some of the businesses that were uh, working from there and working in there um, included Ghostware. Uh, and this was a company that was working with the Hoya Division of Police. Um, that when I was out there two years ago, uh, Chief Gryle, Chief Eric Gryle at the time, <clears throat> was there. And this company was working with um, drones. And the purpose of using these drones uh, were to go to accident scenes uh, ahead of first responders uh, so, for example, uh, there was an accident perhaps on the freeway. Um, and uh, another example of this might be the accident that happened out on I-70 um, last week uh, with a semi the bus fatal accident um, that involves some students and staff from, from a Muskie Valley. Uh, but the drone could get there um, a couple minutes ahead of the first responders, and that drone might give you an idea of, is the car upside down? Is the car on fire? Um, uh, that would tip information off or that information could be shared with the uh, first responders, fire, EMS, police, even as they make their way on the shoulder of the freeway to, to get up there. <clears throat> so that was uh, one of the companies that was working on this two years ago. Um, another company called UB here, um, I was involved, I recall, with uh, 
GPS and and uh, tacking, uh, tracking and tagging um, uh, packages that are mm -hmm. coming and going and being delivered. So these companies, uh, small companies, start out there, and uh, if they grow and expand and become successful enough to need their own facility, uh, they could do that in Hilliard. Mm -hmm. The city would have part of those 120 acres to offer to these companies that are currently at or might become at Converge Technologies. Tell you so what. So that's one example. Let's put them in the Verizon building and put a Six Flags <laughs> behind no, the high school. No, the city has no, <laughs> nothing like that at the Walpert property, Tim. All right. Th this is going to be uh, companies where only the employees are likely going there. So, so unlikely, it's not going to be retail development. It's uh, not going to be They don't foresee that, okay. no. Uh, th this would be uh, high-tech uh, companies with, with, with uh, income tax that will uh, bolster the city's income tax. Maybe then they'll have enough money they could hire, like, Pat Benatar to play at the July 4th parade like the people I saw in Dublin get, or something. We get a like that. One, la one ladder rung north on <clears throat> the old uh, um, event yeah. scale. <laughs> um, but also having this property, they can control – the city, rather, can control um, how it's developed uh, within – uh, the connectivity to other parcels, uh, maintaining a requisite amount of green space, park space, um, and, and uh, that's all something the city can control uh, when, when they own they own the property, and and they're not sitting back and watching some other developer come in and buy 100 acres of farmland, and uh, putting things that the city might not desire as much. Right. Yeah, it's that level of direct investment that puts <clears throat> the city in the driver's seat as opposed to. Um, working through planning and zoning with a developer who owns a parcel of land. This is going to be fully inside. That said, it will be fully inside through the use of the Hilliard Development Corporation, which is uh, a small room of, I think it's still just three people, uh, and their associated uh, offices that can help produce a, a meaningful result there. I think that's one of those things that cries out for more citizen involvement, I think, as we sit around the table and kind of discuss what uses might happen in 120 acres in the middle of the city. And is it a more traditional business park? Is it a more high tech business park kind of trying to provide more runway to some of these companies that maybe have a few more stages of development to go and not a, not a finished massive business commercial entity coming in like you see in some of these Marysville business parks and things of that nature. A magical chocolate factory. Well, I mean, if, if you've got, that's the other thing, too. What level of other businesses, other commercial development are they going to look for there? 120 acres, that's a lot of land. Mm. And what we know about a lot of uh, tech development is that they don't tend to employ a ton of people. Uh, so from a footprint standpoint, a lot of this stuff may be smaller than average. It might be a great opportunity to work in some other relationships there. As I uh, have talked about a lot, I think... People in these communities would like to see places where uh, people can go and improve their education. So if we were to, say, create some municipal solar or municipal utility use um, on that parcel on 120 acres and, and have city ownership involved in that, we could create partnerships with some of the uh, job sectors that build and develop those uh, installations create a homegrown economy in that area in a way that we haven't really had before. And, and people all across Ohio are looking at different ways to reindustrialize or at least 
uh, rescale these kind of project works. So that might be a great use for it. Um, it might be another opportunity for us to kind of look at maybe a lot of hay was made over this last election cycle about the scale of housing needs and affordability. What we have here now is a, a certain level of existing housing, and we haven't really built a lot of addresses in the last several years. Uh, it might be a great time to create relationships with the kind of developers that could provide and build those missing middle housing options, the triplexes, the duplexes, et cetera, et cetera, that people have said that we need and we could really use in a neighborhood way and make significant advancements with. What about an infuriating maze of underground tunnels? <laughs> I think that's basically comes with any major development package. If you look at Instagram, there's just backrooms videos over that thing everywhere of mm. weird tunnel complexes underneath everything. And those are all fake too. But, you know, that's just the beauty of the information uh, era that we live in. Uh, I think the tunnel thing's not bad, Tim. Do you want to get your nuclear installation plug in real quick yeah so we'll put in so like a couple of small modular fusion reactors and we tuck them in <laughs> right up right behind those columbus apartments i see well i mean there's locations and then there's locations uh but if if failing those kind of things happening i think this is where a neighborhood planning group would come in and say in an ongoing way okay we've we've cited three tech companies we've cited this we've cited that now we need to fill this parcel in with x y z things that can contribute to an overall community environment that people want to live in and uh more of that in incitement to tell those bulldozers where to go as opposed to reacting to them when they show up so barring uh that little development i think we'll all be keeping our eyes on that walpert property to see where it goes from here um Tree lighting, December 3rd, this Sunday, correct, in the evening. We're going to have that over at Hilliard Station Park. It's going to be a kickoff to a great series of holiday events around town. Uh, make sure you come out for that. going to be a lot of fun and festivities surrounding that night and event. 4 to 6 p.m., I think. Double check that. Read my story. Uh, read his own read his own writing folks don't ask the large language model <laughs> we uh we will be back uh up here next week to bring you more information that you can count on kevin i know we've got a story coming out about a new development here uh from the shed fitness rebrand is going to be blueprint health from now yes. on and that that points to more andy warnock in involvement uh he's a partner involved in that yes all right so more moves and more developments happening here locally that we'll be keeping you up to date on as the Hilliard Beacon. Please like, share, and subscribe. Support us uh, materially if you can by um, subscribing at any one of our uh, very affordable tiers, $5 a month, $55 for the year. Or if you want to be a real fancy person, you can give us one of those founder uh, subscriptions and really help us out. Until next time, I just want to say thanks to my friends and compatriots. Uh, once again, have been Tim Hoffman hey. and Anthony Kevin Corvo. Jordan, I got one more thing to plug. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Go ahead, man. The so, studio. The studio. Dagnabbit. It's okay. So the Hilliard Beacon is produce of Franklin Street Creative. Uh, we have our studio here on Franklin Street right in the heart of Old Hilliard. Um. Our podcast studio is up and running. We have clients that come in and record podcast content 
here. If this is something that interests you, please reach out and talk to us. We can show you the studio. We can record a pilot episode of whatever it is you want to blather about uh, and get you a, uh, a really nice uh, setup and situation uh, so you can get started on your podcast uh, ideas or even if you have ideas for one-off conversations you'd like to get on tape. We don't use tape. We use a computer. <laughs> but if you... Yeah. Computers are great. Computers anyway, are great. Um, reach out to us and talk to us if you want to interview uh, some of your loved ones, someone interesting that you know. Uh, we'd love to welcome you into the studio and show you how, uh, you know, how to make your own sausage, as it were. <laughs> and if there are any uh, families or people out there who know some veterans, I would like to continue my... Uh, podcast uh, with any veterans, uh, Korean War veterans, or maybe World War II veterans, if they're still, you know, of any. But uh, I would like to uh, have the opportunity to share those stories with a wider, wider audience. Yeah, maybe we can uh, go out there and get in touch with some of the VFW commanders around the area and see if we can get some people in that way. That might be a good opportunity too. Thank you, everyone. Uh, in between that holiday and the next one, we have been the Hilliard Beacon, and we will be the Hilliard Beacon. Until next time, goodbye.